Oops. I wanted to record that and I turned it off. Uh, so the Buddha said, within this fathom-long body, um, the whole universe arises and passes away. And so, so we are this, um, there's this quality of boundlessness within each one of us. And so when we limit ourselves to a particular identity or a particular story, we are, uh, we are really putting ourselves in a box. So, why do we create these these identities? Why do we create these, uh, you know, the sense of, you know, I am this, or I am, you know, I am a mother. I am, I am a teacher. I am. Um, a, uh, a therapist, I am a wife or a, or a husband or a parent. Um, you know, we, I think that part of it, you know, one of the ways I understand from my own experience is that, um, you know, we're, we're mirroring back, we're reflecting back what the world expects of us. And, and in some way, we feel that in order to, to be real, in order to be real, we need to be something that we can define. Uh, it feels kind of formless to, to, to be, to just be. So we can, you know, it's not to say that we don't have roles. It's not to say that we don't, you know, take on responsibilities and take on roles in our lives. Uh, that, we, that we manifest in particular ways in the world and that, you know, we, we assume responsibilities um, to, to be there, to show up, to do those things. It's just that we, it would be good to remember that that's not who we truly are. Um, it's like, um, you know, uh, is it Angelina Jolie who plays Queen Elizabeth, I think? Yeah, um, yeah she plays Queen Elizabeth, but she knows she's not Queen Elizabeth. Um, so an actor will take on a certain role, you know, um, and and actually that role, I was just listening to a really wonderful interview um, yesterday. Uh, anybody watch the series This Life? Oh, it's a wonderful series on CBC. Um, it's about this woman who has cancer, and uh, she's a profound character. And it's uh, it really dives into some, you know, talk about, you know, we were talking yesterday about change and and really big changes in our lives. And you know, she's diagnosed with cancer, and and it just dives so courageously into the impact of this on her family and on herself, and and uh, and how she how she deals with it. And um, 
Uh, and she talked about how she's learned a lot from from her character, you know, from kind of entering into that. So we may actually grow in our roles. We may learn a lot. We may learn to be, you know, as a as a uh, um, a therapist, for example. We may deepen in compassion. You know, our capacity to be present to somebody. So, so the, we, and we're drawn to certain roles because perhaps we, we want to do those learnings. We want that development. You know, my son uh, is a, uh, uh, he, he learned how to sail and he's, he's a skipper of a, his own 52-foot sailboat and he does charters and he wanted that kind of to learn that kind of uh, presence, that capacity to be attentive and present when it, when your life depends on it, you know. So, so that's what drew him, and and it shaped him, and and he learned, you know, he learned many wonderful skills that have developed him as a person. So we might be drawn to certain roles and activities. Uh, certainly, a lot of people are drawn to being parents, you know, because. They just want that kind of relationship. So, um, so we, uh, yeah. So we we're drawn to certain kinds of activities and roles, but we are not that. We um, and 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 also a lot of the ways that we create stories or we have. We hold stories about ourselves may not be things that we've chosen. Um, th- they may be things that have just happened. Uh, and actually, it's not always clear what we choose and what just happens. Um, so, uh, because a lot of what we think we ch- choose is what's happening in our lives um, or what's unfolding. Um, so, I've I've just read a I've just read a wonderful book um, uh, by a psychologist named Alice Miller, um, and uh, it's called the the drama of the gifted child. It's a beautiful book, uh, and it it uh, it's called uh, yeah the drama of the gifted child, ser- the search for the true self, and she. Um, she talks about how in relationship with parents, um, if the parent is not able, because of their own conditioning, if the parent is not able to fully receive that child unconditionally as who they are, with unconditional love, but if the parent imposes on that child a need to be something, a requirement to be something, whether it's to be the perfect child or to be the smart child or the beautiful child uh, or the you know perfectly behaved child, then then uh, that that is a, a a limitation on that child who becomes cut off from themselves at a very early age. So so they never really have that sense of presence 
and, uh, and authenticity and spontaneity to just be who they are. And so when we've experienced this, we need to relearn it. We need to go back and, and become present to ourselves and know that we are more than, that we are not definable by this need that was imposed on us by a parent who wanted us to be something for them because they never received that full acceptance, unconditional acceptance when they were a child and it goes on and on through generations. So um, it's a very beautiful book and very dharmic actually. Sorry, the, the, the title, it, the, so the author is Alice Miller and it's called um, uh, The Drama of the Gifted Child and it's uh, The Search, uh, colon, The Search for the True Self. And, uh, and so, so that true self is something which is um, undefinable. It's, it's changing, it's evolving, it's not something fixed. Um, and it's very liberating when we can actually come to acknowledge, you know, that, that, this, that this was our experience as children, that we were kind of made to conform to certain ideas of what we should be. And so, you know, it, the spiritual and the psychological work, uh, they, they overlap, but they're kind of different emphases. And so, you know, um, but there's, there's a lot of overlap, especially these days as, you know, psychologists are working with mindfulness. You know, so, so just in terms of my own story, here's an example that, um, you know, I, I discovered many years ago uh, so my sister and I grew up with a story about ourselves. And um, so my sister was a very good student. And uh, so she, she was very, you know, she did all, you know, did, always did her homework and was very, she was a very good student. So she was the smart one because she got good grades. And, and I was the pretty one because... By, you know, ordinary, you know, standards, I was more conventionally pretty than she was. So, so I was pretty and not expected to be particularly smart, and she was smart and she was off the hook about being pretty. But of course, I knew I was smart, and she knew she was beautiful. So, so that's an example, and you know, and. Uh, and when I began, you know, it, it required, it required for me one of the things that, you know, really liberated me in my growing up was that, well, my mother died when I was a teenager. She got cancer. And, um, uh, and I, my father remarried, and my stepmother, I felt, really saw me. I felt she really could... I felt seen by her. You know, that, that experience of just being received without needing to be somebody 
in particular, just being received in, with, with love and compassion and, and presence. Um, and so as, as people on this spiritual journey, we may have somebody in our life who does that for us. It is such a beautiful gift when we do. And we also can do it for ourselves. We have that capacity to just totally receive ourselves and uh, with, without any requirement that we, you know, with all the, 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 you know, the, the ways that we, the, the, the parts of ourselves that we feel we wish we're not there, you know, the, the more negative we might call them or the more um, uh, kind of abrasive or, or sharp parts of ourselves. Um, I, um, I experienced uh, this quality of, you know, really seeing, you know, as, and as we go on, we see these, these parts of ourselves, you know, which sometimes are called the shadow. So we have these projections of what we want to be. And, um, you know, they, and they come from different things. They come from, as I said, from our families, from society, from uh, all the conditionings in our lives. So, um, so one of the experiences I, I had when I was on a long retreat um, was that, uh, you know, as my mind became quiet, I recognized how much judgment was coming up in my mind. Wow, look at this mind. You know, it was like shocking. I began to recognize the mind is judging all the time. I mean, at first I noticed how much I was judging others, and then later I noticed how much I was judging myself. But, you know, oh, I'm judging how this person is doing walking meditation. I'm judging how they dress. I'm ju- judging how they're eating. Like, judging, judging, judging. It's like, I'm not a judging person, I'm a kind person. You know, this image I had of myself, you know, I'm a chaplain at university, I care about people, I'm, you know, what's this mind doing all this judging? And it was actually, it was, it was devastating to see how much the mind was judging. But it was so important and so beneficial for me to see it and to receive it. And I sat down next to a pond uh, on the retreat center site, and I spent the afternoon crying. I was just so broken by seeing that this mind that I, you know, thought was, you know, I'm such a good person, so the image of self, the idea, the role, I'm a chaplain, I'm kind, and reaching after people, you know, judging, judging. So, you know, I asked a teacher later, you know, like, what, what is my mind doing all this judging for? And uh, where did it come from? And he said, great answer, I think. It was the best you could do with what you had at the time. So... And it made sense to me. So I 
it was my way of, you know, pushing people away because I wasn't feeling a sense of belonging. I wasn't feeling received. I wasn't feeling um, nurtured. So I set up a stance of judging. And, and so, yeah, uh, it was kind of an understanding which helped me to, to have compassionate acceptance for, for that habit of mind. And, and so, you know, I spent time just becoming aware of that pattern, you know, as we were just talking about. Ah, there's the judging, you know. And then sometimes I would judge the judging, you know. Uh, and, then, and then compassion comes up. Okay, you know, so that's just, that's just what happened. That's just how, how things happened. And, and so... And then the judging just, you know, as, as a deeper openness to that mystery of, well, this is a being who can contain everything. You know, who sometimes judging comes up, sometimes love comes up, sometimes generosity comes up, sometimes, you know, stinginess comes up or protectiveness, self-protectiveness comes up. And just, you know, being present with that openness that this is, that through this being all of humanity can manifest. And that when the mind is present and attentive and discerning, then I know this is the way to suffering. This is the way to happiness and connection. Those, those um, patterns and attitudes that turn me in on myself, you know, which make me sen- give me a sense of I'm separate, I'm alone, I'm isolated, I'm not connected. Those are the ones that are the ro- road to suffering. The ones that affirm, I'm connected, I'm, I'm, I share so much with other human beings, I'm, I'm interdependent, Um, we, we're, we're uh, breathing the same air, we're drinking the same water, we're, you know, Anger, my anger is not so different from your anger. My love is not different from your love. And on, even on a deeper level, the, the awareness within what all of the, this is, within which all of this is known, this clear, open awareness is at the base of who we all are. This open mind, open heart is who we all are. So, so who we are is bigger than any story. So, so what this means is that whatever my limiting story is, it's not ultimately true. You know, who I am is so much more than than. Uh, a sto- any story or any identity or any role that we might 
hold, which we feel we need we need to hold on to to somehow justify our existence or make us real, and um, and in in our meditation, we 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 arrive at that place of presence of knowing that we we can know that you know whatever experience we may have it's going to arise and pass away whatever role we may have that too will arise and pass away you know whatever uh, whatever idea we may have about ourselves we're not always conforming to that idea and um, and so so that idea is just something that is kind of a, a snapshot, just a glimpse, a moment, you know, that we that we um, we're you know manifesting and then moving on. And so we develop a sense of presence that's not attached to a particular identity. Um, so a deeper presence, so that it's that presence that is knowing. And mindfulness is a doorway into that presence. So with mindfulness, with the practice of mindfulness, we're developing that capacity to give a spacious knowing to all of our experience <coughs> without, without um, uh, being attached to it without identifying with it. So, so we may, you know, so at first, you know, in mindfulness, we practice, we practice, um, uh, you know, just feeling sensations. You know, feeling the sensation of sitting on a chair, of hearing, of feeling the breath, feeling body sensation, and so on. <coughs> And that helps us to bring the mind to some kind of stability, some, some uh, place of uh, stillness and attention. And, and in that, we, in that stillness, we begin to see that, you know, we're not the experience of the breath, we're not the experience of the thought, we're not the experience of the emotion, there is an awareness within which all of this is is passing. So there's a um, there's a beautiful poem by Rumi, um, which I memorized, but I just wasn't planning to to say it. But but yeah, I have it. Um, Rumi is a Persian poet. Uh, I think he's uh, 12th century, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, so it's called This We Have Now. <clears throat> this We Have Now is not imagination. This is not grief or joy, not a judging state or an elation, or sadness. Those come and go. This is the presence that doesn't. 
It's dawn, Hussam, here in the splendor of coral, inside the friend, the simple truth of what Halaj said. What else could human beings want? When grapes turn to wine, they're wanting this. When the night sky pours by, it's really a crowd of beggars, and they all want some of this. This that we are now created the body cell by cell, like bees building a honeycomb. The human body and the universe grew from this, not this from the universe and the human body. So this, this quality of open, boundless awareness, bare attention, as it is called in uh, mindfulness practice, is always there. It's always present. It's always our refuge. That's our true refuge. It's boundless mind, boundless heart. Because in that open spaciousness, um, there is a profound connection to all of life, which is the nature of love. So, um, so I'd like to uh, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm questioning myself. I, I plan to kind of move into dyads. Um, let's do that. Let's just take 10 minutes and we'll move into dyads. And we've, we've been kind of working with a little bit of uh, a late start and a, and a, you know, kind of things. So we're going to just go a little bit over time and we'll catch it up so that we have a full hour for lunch. Is that okay? Uh, yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll go till 12.15. So I'd like to... Um, Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.